Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. Hope you are having a wonderful day. And joining me today is my co-host, Micah Curran. Micah, what's the word, man? Jeans. Jeans. Yeah. I put jeans on today for the first time since like April. Yeah, I'm wearing jeans right now. (laughs) I like I went out this morning and I started the car for my wife and, you know, got the uh, defrost on and. I, was, I told you I was going to run an errand before we we started recording, and I was like, you know what? It's forty five degrees outside. I'm going to put a pair of jeans on because I haven't yeah. worn jeans in April, but it's cold enough to do so. Like, well, last night I ended up putting on the uh, heated blanket on the bed and got that all plugged in and heated. And then I told my and then I told my wife, hey, we need to clean out the garage because Peter had his uh, birthday party and we had a bunch of like inflatable water slides. Yeah. So now all that's sitting in the garage, just kind of like waiting to get packed, packed up and put away. And I'm like, you know, we need to do that so we can get the garage cleaned off. Because if not, then you're going to be scraping your windshield (laughs) every time you have to go to work instead of just having it right there. So. So, yeah, it's starting to get cold. And um, even you guys, one of those people are you guys one of those folks that um, or families, whatever you want to call it, that uh, waits forever to turn the heater on. Usually I do, but I Laura must have turned it on yesterday because I remember I got up to get ready for church and I'm like, oh, the heater's on. So she must have turned it on in the middle of the night because I was fine. And we didn't even have the heated blanket on that time. So we've yeah. been trying, like, we try to make it to November every year. <laughs> yeah. We're about halfway through October. So I don't know uh, if we're going to make it or not because, like, you know, last week we had a day where it was like in the mid eighties and then like by Friday or Saturday, it was down in the forties and fifties. Yeah. So absolutely. I, who knows. Right. But like we have a, we have a little space heater in our bedroom that we just turn on and it, it warms our whole room. So like, we don't really, you know, have to worry about cranking the heater. It's, it's really weird. Our house is like, you know, we have a three bedroom, three bathroom house. It's two stories. Our bedroom, the master bedroom, is the biggest room in the house because it sits above the garage. And so in the winter, it gets super hot because of the heater, right? And then in the summer, it gets super hot because the air conditioner doesn't go there as well because it's the biggest room in the house. So we have to put a window unit in the window in our master bedroom. So, like, it's it's crazy how – well, we try to wait. Because when we kick the heat on, it gets kind of warm in our room. So we try to wait. We try to wait it out. So, yeah. Um, and then last year when we had that real bad winter storm come through, like right around Christmas when we had that, our toilets like froze for like three days. That was nuts. We have one one working toilet in our entire house, mm. um, which is crazy. But first world problems, right? That's right. That is right. Um, yeah, so um, before we dive into our topic today, story's gone wild. Do you have something? Do I have something? <laughs> well, I didn't know we were going to record uh, until I texted you last night. Uh, yeah. Um, I really need to just start writing some of these stories down. Like, because yes, don't you have a list of like... I do. The... Actually, I'm pulling it up right now just to see if I have... Because <laughs> there's so many. There's And there's so many good ones. Um yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, like you said, there's just so many that I could pick from. Uh, I have a good one. I have a really good one. <laughs> so, um, are you looking? You want me to go first? Are you still looking? Yeah. Okay. So, um. I don't know if I told you this before, Scott, but a couple of years ago, I was working in a church and uh, I was bivocational. Obviously, I worked at the university full time. This is before the pandemic. And then I worked at the church super part time, like stipend level part time. Right. And so uh, we went there on a Saturday because Alicia and I were trying to do some stage design stuff. We were doing some stuff with the lights. Um, it was a beautiful day outside. I think the youth group had a trip somewhere and they um, the way the church was set up. You know, there were some side doors. And so one of the youth kids let left the door open when they were going to go on this trip. And so Alicia and I are in the sanctuary, working on the lights, getting stuff ready for Sunday. And a bird gets in the sanctuary. A bird. And 
um, I'm going to try my best to describe this the best I can, but the way the sanctuary, the sanctuary for us was in a gym. And then the way the building was built. So like we had the sanctuary, which was the gym. And then behind it was the baptism. Right. And so behind the baptism was kind of maintenance utility area. And then behind that was the, the, the children's ministry center. So we're like a crap, you know, crap, a bird flew in here. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to get this thing out of here? Right. So like we were like, It'll fly out. It'll fly out. And we just left the doors open. Sure enough, an hour goes by. I think it's still just spazzing out, flying around. It goes up underneath where the baptism is, right? And then it goes into where the maintenance thing is. And there's it's it's an open, it's basically to the roof, right? And so we couldn't get this bird. And so I call one of the elders. I'm like, hey, he, you know, his name's Gus. And he's like, you know, there's not much you can do other than I hope it just flies out. Right. And so, but I called the pastor and the pastor's like losing it. Right. He's like, what did you get the bird? Did you get the bird? And meanwhile, this is like a tissue of lies that happens in this whole, <laughs> this whole story. And that's not a tissue of lies. It's, it's more of a, like, it, it's better left unsaid kind of thing. And so like, um, Alicia and I have a friend. I'm your host, William who, also known as the ah, Eagle of the Apocalypse. Ah, sorry. Alicia. That's good. Alicia and I have a friend who was a children's pastor on staff with me there. Um, and she went with the youth or she was uh, at the church and she was like, mm-hmm. hey, we should get a Crossroads because Crossroads at the time offered a Saturday night service. And we were like, oh, cool, let's go because we can just go to church and go grab dinner. And um, the pastor was so worried about the bird. He kept calling us and was like, did you get the bird out? Did you get the bird out? Did you get the bird out? And I was like, I didn't want to tell him that we were at Crossroads because he didn't like Crossroads because he wasn't a big fan of mega churches. And so um, we uh, we go to church at Crossroads and then our friend Liz and us, Liz and Alicia and I went to dinner and on our way to dinner, pastor calls us and I'm like, crap, I have got to, I've got to answer his call because he called me like three times while we were in church at Crossroads. And so I call him back and I'm like, Hey, he's like, what's, uh, did you get the bird? I was like, uh, no, we left. He's like, well, where did you go? I was like, we went, we went to see a movie <laughs> because he didn't want, we didn't want him to know we went to Crossroads because he was so mad about, like, he didn't like mega churches. And so he's like, well, what movie did you go see? And I was like, I can't remember the name. <laughs> and I kept just like trying, he kept asking me all these questions. Right. And so finally um, we get home. And we were going to go see a movie. Uh, I don't remember the movie, but we watched the trailer for the movie. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning when we get to church, we think the bird got out. But then pastor comes up and he's like, so do you remember the name of the movie? And I was like, yeah, it was that basketball movie with, with Ben Affleck in it. And again, I don't remember the title now. This was years ago. But like, yeah, it was a it was a crazy, two crazy things going on at the same time, right? The bird. Yeah. And um, the fact that we went to a, another church and he was just so like, I don't know, afraid that we're going to go to a mega church. I don't know why he didn't like mega churches, but I think it was because Crossroads is one of the larger churches in North America. And um, it's one of the biggest churches in the area where we live. And I don't know if that can be a podcast topic, right? Like mega churches and how pastors feel about mega churches. And <laughs> well, like, just like, you know, people want to go to church right and so like if they can go to church and they can just feel apart and go and feel like they've been at church some mega churches are you know it for people right yeah but they're not for everybody so yeah that was just a i mean it was a conglomerate of stories um the bird that bird so (laughs) um did you find a story yeah yeah so it's 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 been very interesting because occasionally I always run into like these random YouTube prophets. Do you know what a YouTube prophet is? I think I've heard the phrase, but kind of refresh me on it. So YouTube prophets are usually these people who feel like that they are have a prophetic voice or they're modern day or they claim to be modern day prophets. And they make these like bold claims about situations or things happening in the world. So for an example, there's probably going to be a lot of YouTube prophets t- 
talking about the whole Israel attacks that's been happening. Um, the Palestine-Israel attacks that's been happening over the weekend. So that's something, right? Um, but there's one guy in particular who years ago I used to watch it. I was just curious, does this guy still exist? And and he does, he still exists. Um I don't know his name, but he goes by the third eagle of the apocalypse. You ever hear about this guy? So this is the guy who one of his big things is he'll take like certain things or big events and he will say like, hey, because of this event or how this event played out, this is what it means. So and it's specifically Super Bowl. Like he believes that God is trying to tell people about what's happening in the world or the returning of Jesus Christ based on how things happen in the Super Bowl. If someone gets injured, um, <laughs> that's a sign for something. But then one of the funniest ones that he Do you mean like 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 end of times kind of stuff? Yeah, and... end of times, yeah, end of times. But there's this one there's this one time where he was breaking down the lyrics to Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. <laughs> and he starts going like, let's break this down. Hey, I just met you. And then he starts breaking that down, which is something weird and then goes and this is crazy well yeah it's crazy that the devil is talking to you isn't it <laughs> and then he goes so here's my number beating the number of the beast <laughs> so call me maybe goes and see it's not call me maybe but maybe is the name of the antichrist <laughs> so, there's a guy, so there's somebody who has a last name or first name may maybe beware of that person because they may be the antichrist <laughs> We're just going to propel the end of the world. <laughs> so I know it's not what we're talking about today, but obviously Israel is under attack as we speak. Yeah. Um, Palestine has, has bombed them. And their mm -hmm. headline that I saw this morning said 800 murdered or 800 presumed dead, at least over at least 800. Yeah. Um, my, it, It's funny you say the, the whole prophetic thing like that, but like, um, you know, I remember growing up like my grandparents and my grandmother is one of four siblings. And so her oldest sister um, and her husband, are, uh, they were pastors for years. And then um, her other brother was a pastor. And so like the four of them and their spouses are very close. Right. So like we always joke, my brother Lonnie and I always joke and call them the elders. And like, uh, because it's always like all doom and gloom. And anytime something happens in the Middle East, Jesus is coming back and, um, you know, similar to what you're saying with this prophetic word, which yeah. I don't know, like the word of God says, no, no man knows the hour. But right. he, here's the crazy thing about that. Um, there was a poll recently taken, um, back in 2001 and then in 2003, because again, it started to kind of ramp up right when COVID hit, like more people are coming out of the woodwork. There are 38% of Americans believe that God reveals his hand, his, his plans to human prophets, modern day human prophets. 38% of people, whether I don't, I'm not specific if they're church going people, if they're Christians or just people in general, but 38% believe that that is true. Like if someone says, Hey, I believe Jesus is going to come back on uh, December 1st, 2023, then guess what? 23% of the population is going to believe me when I say that, if I claim to be a prophet, mm. which is insane. That's a very well, high number. That's a very high percentage. Yes. And there's all these books and there's all these, uh, you know, like you're saying, these YouTube people and, you know, it's not uncommon. Like as soon as we probably get off of this call, Scott, like I'll probably get on TikTok and we'll see all these things on you know, prophets, you know, and like, I think something recently that I saw was there was this, like, I don't know if it's like October the 20th or October 22nd or something. People are saying that like, that's going to happen and the rapture's happening. And, um, it, you know, I, I'm very much a believer that, you know, you need to be right with the Lord. Jesus is coming. We don't know when. Right. And so, um, the Bible also talks about false prophets, right? And so you got to be careful. 
that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, prayers for Israel for sure. Um, yeah, our world is definitely um, you know under attack. Our there's differences whether it's political, whether it's racial, whether it's countries, whether it's whatever. And yeah, um, this world you know definitely needs Jesus, and you know the it's just heartbreaking to see what's going on in Israel and it's, it's heartbreaking to see what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. It's heartbreaking to see what's going on in our country and, and all over the world for that matter. And so Mm -hmm. I think with Jesus now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jeez. So today we're actually going to be talking about a topic that has nothing to do with anything we've talked about thus far. We're actually going to be talking about what are successful community outreach strategies. Now, if you are a church, a lot of times, one of the biggest things I always hear, at least anytime when I have always um, campaigned for a church job, especially within the Church of God, one of the questions I always hear is, how are you going to reach out to the people within the community? Um which I always find that question very fascinating because it almost sounds like, what are you single-handedly going to do to get people to come to this church? Um, as far as what are we going to do? You know, it's it's the verbiage, I think, is kind of the um the thing. So it, I find this I find this question fascinating because um for my doctorate project, I've been I have to do a um historical research about my topic. So I was actually looking at William Booth. Um, the creator of the Salvation Army and how that whole thing came to be. And it was very fascinating because he ended up becoming, he was a Wesleyan Methodist minister. And then he wanted to, you know, outreach, do outreach into the community and be with like the poor and help them out. Uh, One time there's there's a story where apparently he was just a lay leader and he brought a bunch of homeless people into the church uh, and had them kind of right up front where the pastor was, and the church staff was not too happy with him about that and told him that they need to sit in the back. So he, they did, and then basically um, reprimanded him, saying that, you know, anytime you bring people off the street, they need to sit in the back. They can't sit up in the front. Which he's like, okay, you know, that's weird because, you know, Methodists were very big into helping the poor and the outcast, and there's definitely a shift. Um so eventually he left that branch of Methodism, went to a different branch of Methodism, left that one, and then went to a different branch of Methodism, three branches of Methodism before he finally said, okay. And the last branch of Methodism, the final straw for him was they he needed to have a circuit. Basically, he needed to be a pastor of a church, and he didn't want to be a pastor of a church. He actually wanted to talk to people and minister to people on the street. So that was the final straw. So he became an independent uh, minister, and he started doing and he created a Salvation Army soon after him and his wife did. And that's how it began. Um, so outreach has always been a certain important thing with the church. Uh, and yet I feel like anytime when people try to do outreach or they talk about outreach, I feel like a lot of times they have like a certain idea of what they want to do. But then sometimes their execution or what comes from it may be different than what they initially thought. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about um Kind of what are some effective ways or how do we gauge effectiveness in our outreach programs in the church? That's a loaded question. It is. And I think it's loaded because it depends on what the vision is, right? I think, you know, for the Salvation Army, their big thing was, okay, let's lead these, let's lead people to Christ. So there's an evangelistic component. Let's minister to the outcast in society or the poor, which not only was that important, but then right when he started the Salvation Army, a couple of years later, was the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. And dealing with a lot of workers, a lot of people dealing with addictions due to working in the in this in the mills and Salvation Army just started growing from that. So I think there's certain things like that, which it's like, okay, they had a great vision. They had a great, um, they knew who their target audience was and they went and did that. Where I think sometimes people go, well, let's do this event because it will get people to come to our church. 
And it may be evangelistic or it may not be evangelistic. And I think, you know, that's why it's a loaded question because it, it varies depending on what the program or the event is and kind of what the vision or the goal for it is. I think too, like, I mean, you nailed it with, you know, what it is, but like, I think also too, knowing your demographic, um, knowing what you're, you know, you're reaching out to offer um, and outreach could look like a number of different things, right? You know, it could be hospitality. It could be um, visitation. It could be, um back to school whatever uh you know I, I, community festival fall festival trunk or treat um christmas uh in the park i don't know like where you could have all these different kind of events within your community um to raise awareness for the gospel of jesus and to to, to, to give back to the community. And I think a lot of times, like um, my late mother was always brainstorming ideas about how we can do outreach. And, you know, her and my dad always pastored mid to small, you know, small to mid-sized churches. And um, when I was a little kid, I remember two things my mom did. One was when we were in um, Coshocton, Ohio uh, at that church, the, one of the big things my mom liked to do was the, she did like this summer um, community festival. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this, I don't know if you've been to Coshocton, Scott, but it's a super small, mm-hmm. super small community. And I don't even know what like the, the, the amount of people that live there are, but like, it's a cool little small town. Right. And so um, she spent the entire year, gathering donations. She worked with vendors, you know, grocery stores within the community to gather things like, uh, pop or soda, mm-hmm. chips, hot dogs, you know, and a lot of times my mom, my mom worked her butt off, but my mom was able to like get deals or, you know, Hey, if, if, if our church people come in here and buy, um, you know, four bags of hot dog buns, you know, will you, match that purchase or uh if somebody buys 10 10 bottles of soda will you match you know half of that yeah or whatever right and so like a lot of times my mom was able to raise everything like as far as food and stuff for you know for this community festival and so she you know you know it was almost like okay we're going to share the gospel we're going to give away you know food we're going to have live music we're going to have an evangelist like you were talking about, share the word. Um, and then, you know, we're going to have giveaways, whether that's backpacks, whether that's clothing, whether that's, um, I don't know, you name it, you know, uh, give those things away. Another thing she did when we were in Amsterdam church, which is about an hour north of where Coshocton is, um, my mom loved to feed people, right? And so she uh, was big um on community thanksgiving dinners and so when we were in amsterdam she did the the community um thanksgiving dinner every year and she was able to raise the money to purchase all the food and she fed 500 to a thousand people every year Mm -hmm. and so um people come in they would get free food they would have to go orders for people that couldn't get out the people were shut in um people that um you know, weren't able to drive or whatever. Like we had people that would deliver the, the food. We had people that would take the orders. My mom again would make, make it so that, you know, we'd had 20 turkeys to cook. So the people, you know, we would never, you know, we wouldn't run out of food. Um, we had somebody speak like an evangelist, somebody to pray over the meal, somebody to um, share the gospel, tell people about our church every hmm. hour or so that that was going on. I don't know. It was like, um, I don't remember what we did. It wasn't like actually on Thanksgiving day, but it was around that time. And so like, we did it like, I don't know, you know, 12, one in the afternoon until probably six or eight at night. And, uh, you know, those are all, you know, local, you know, local to the church ideas. Another thing my mom used to do when we went back to Coshocton for a minute, I feel like I'm hopping all over the place, but no, you're fine. Another, thing, another thing she did was, um, when we were in Coshocton, there was a bus ministry or a van ministry. 
that was huge when we were at that church. The church ran around 100 to 200 people, just varied from the season. We were there almost eight years. And a big part of that ministry was the bus and van ministry. A lot of people couldn't drive to church. So my, you know, there were people that drove vans, believe it or not. Back then people drove vans and boat drove buses and mm. there were anywhere from 40 to 60 kids every single week that would be bussed in for, for children's ministry, for Sunday school, for church, all those things. And those kids got to hear the gospel. Now the, the good and bad of that is that a lot of those kids came from pretty bad situations. Like they came from abuse, neglect, um, you know, bad, bad home lives. Right. And so my mom felt really, really pressed, um, to do a breakfast for these kids mm -hmm. every, every Sunday. So they would get them, they would go on purpose. They would go get them on, you know, on the bus, they would run, you know, get them to the church, get them there early enough before Sunday school or church started so that my mom would be able to, to, to feed them. So like, you know, they came in, they got their food, they prayed, they shared a lesson, they ate food. And for that, Scott, some of that was food that those kids didn't have over the yeah. weekend. That was a meal that they didn't have over the weekend. Right. And so, um, gushing about my mom and how great she was. Uh, but like, you know, those are, you know, they're all great ideas for outreach. Um, mm -hmm. I taught a class in leadership focus last fall. And one of my, um, one of my students, she is a children's pastor and she talked a lot about how their church is being very intentional about, um, outreach outside of their church. And so like, they're instead of doing the traditional VBS at church, they did a VBS outside of the church. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was they, they partnered with some other churches and then they did a VBS in the community for people that didn't have it. And part of that was giving away backpacks and school supplies and giving, you know, um, you know, a chance for these kids to hear the gospel in a, in a, in a probably a rural area, probably a, an area where the, these folks aren't very churched or have, may have never been to church in their life. Um, I think that those are all great examples. I think of outreach. Um, and I don't know if I answered your question as far as like, is that um, really a good way to do outreach? I think so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think everything you said there was very interesting because it, 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 it was very, um, it breaks up the damage. There's there's actually uh, something here where it was someone was talking about. Uh... Hello, I'm Kevin Collins, lead past. Kevin Collins. <laughs> Your computer's going off. Mine's going off. Yeah, it's 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 a weird day, but <laughs> but no, I think what's funny is that um, I was actually looking something for um you know, community outreach stuff, like what, what, how do you gauge success in community outreach? And actually there's this resource that I pulled up and actually it's not a Christian resource. It's more just like certain things that you need to um, think about. And they're actually referencing um, Planned Parenthood for an example. And I want to read this because this is the Planned Parenthood of Michigan. And here's like kind of their whole, um, I guess their mission statement and what they kind of offer. And it says uh, the Planned Parenthood of Michigan believes that people of all ages has the right to learn about their sexuality and develop skills to make healthy decisions about their bodies and relationships. Whether you are a health or human service professional, teacher, religious leader, parent, student, or concerned citizen, um, PPMI can design, deliver, and evaluate educational sessions that are customized to meet the needs of your learners. Our experienced educator tailors each training session or presentation to the needs of the audience. So one of the first things when you break it down is it, it really boils down for them like, okay, education and outreach is like the main big core values of this organization. So education, make people aware of what options they have and outreach, you know, you're engaging with your target audience. And what I find so fascinating about this, and I've told uh people at like when I worked at camp this story because we were talking about um a lot of times we I don't know sometimes I don't know if you've ever had this when you were a counselor Micah but sometimes you would have students that were very much wanted to talk about 
the ladies or the ladies always want to talk to boys. So you had to have that conversation about not only about relationships, but occasionally you had to kind of talk a little bit about sex with your students at summer camp. And it was one of those things where I had a middle school camp. Oh my goodness. Well, middle school and then even high school. But I remember. I think the middle school is worse because it's the hormones are really starting to. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I remember I was, I was conflicted because people wanted me to kind of share my story or whatnot with people. And it was kind of hard because I know a lot of times Planned Parenthood gets a kind of a negative rap within the Christian community um, for, you know, for various reasons. And I have to go talk to my boss because I'm saying, hey, I want to let you know, I'm probably going to talk about Planned Parenthood because the first time I ever, ever heard about abstinence was through Planned Parenthood. Through a plan, like a teacher from Planned Parenthood came and spoke at our school. And I remember eighth grade got these little like mirrors in these gel cases that said abstinence is freedom. And I mean, yeah, they talked about, you know, safe sex, contraceptives, but then they said, you know, with contraceptives, nothing is never a hundred percent. There's always a chance of, of, a chance of risk where you could get someone pregnant or you could get a sexually transmitted disease, but the hundred percent foolproof way of not getting anyone pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted disease is to simply practice abstinence and not to have sex until you're with the right person. And I never heard that in church. I mean, I don't think I've ever had the topic of sex brought up in all the years I was in youth group. Never. Um, so well, I remember Jordan last year text or calling me. Uh, Jordan Halstead, he's been on our show and yeah. we're on him. We're talking. Um, was talking about how he was doing a, a purity series and and oh yeah, he, he works at. But he, he like he wrote the curriculum, he wrote his sermons, but he like went to Steve, his pastor, and was like, "Here's what I'm going to talk about. Is this okay?" But like to your point, Scott, like I don't like same deal. Like I don't remember hearing that stuff in church. Yeah. When I was a kid. And why or, is that? Good. Or the stuff you hear about church would have been like at a convention yeah. or maybe like a big international youth convention where they talked about, well, be a virgin. If you're not a virgin, you can be a second virgin. And, you know, it's about signing these pledge cards or wearing these purity rings. And that was really it was almost like don't have sex. That was the only conversation that mm. David said, don't do it. And if you do it, then it's bad, but you can repent and become like a born again virgin or something like that, which I'm like, oh, okay. Or a spiritual virgin. Like, oh, okay. Like, what does that mean? But, um, but no, but, um, but, you know, when you think about, um, but as I was thinking about that, I was looking at kind of like, what's the goal of outreach? And one of the things was, you know, focus on a particular issue and just kind of like the example of your mom, like, oh, there's kids who probably don't have a good meal to eat. So the fact that she was able to do that, you know, that was a target audience. Maybe it's to educate the community. Maybe it's to uh, create awareness for your organization, um, you know. I remember when I was in Northeast Ohio pastoring, uh, the reputation of the church was, oh, yeah, that church. They're the ones that have like the funny sayings on their uh, sign, on their church sign. And that was all people knew about the church. They didn't know that we had a Narcotics Anonymous group meeting in our church. So it was one of those things that even though I was only there for like two and a half years, um, you know, I tried to make a big thing like on the sign instead of me putting, you know, God sent you a Facebook re- friend request. Will you accept or like whatever dumb? We need to do an episode, Scott, on church signs. Oh my gosh, if we did that, I'd be going on a rant. But, um, but no, it was stuff like that. So you know, we start putting some events like we did a clothing drive, and we actually ended up getting like a um a barn where people can like throw their clothes in and then someone would come and pick it up. And we got like, you know, two or three cents per pound of clothes that came back to the church, but then we could open up and use it. So every um, spring and every fall we would go through the clothing. We'd pick out some of the nice, the stuff that was really nice and not damaged. And then we just give it away. We did it like a free clothing giveaway to people who were in need. Uh, We had a driving school in the church. We had, 
Narcotics Anonymous. We had a Weight Watchers group meeting inside of church. So in the two years, we had all this stuff that was happening, and we just made the community aware of it by putting it on our sign or putting it on our website. And eventually, when people would go, oh, when I tell people I was a pastor, and go, oh, what pat, what church do you pastor? And I go, oh, you know, this church right here. And they go, oh, that's the one that's across the speedway that has all these different um, community programs. And when I heard that, it was like, oh, wow, great. Like, they now know that we're not the church with the cute, funny sayings on the sign. Until I left. <laughs> And then they went back to the cute, funny sayings on the sign to the point that when the Supreme Court judged the ruling to uh, make uh, same-sex marriage legal, I don't know who put it on the church sign, but someone put, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. And then even put like a couple of scripture, like a couple of scripture references that condemned homosexuality. And I, and the thing is, is like, I came back for a wedding like this was probably like six months after i left i came back to do it a was wedding still there and i was talking you know it wasn't there there's something else there but i was talking to somebody and they and like someone from the narcotics anonymous group and they go yeah we were scared to have meetings here we thought the people were so mad we thought that someone was going to blow up the church at one point because someone took a picture of it and put it on like one of those like facebook groups for that community and there was a whole, whole lot of drama and even the pastor of the, the new pastor at that church kept saying like oh hey you know we're actually a great friend and i'm like defending i'm like i don't know who put that on the side but this is a really great and friendly church like i'm a former pastor there and it is it's frank. It's fantastic. Like I don't know what happened or who put that on there. And then even the current pastor saying like, "Hey, you know, very friendly." But yeah, I don't know who would have put that about Adam and Eve. Adam and Steve. But that's something you don't put on a church sign. You uh, do? Are you on Twitter? I am. I haven't been on Twitter. I mean, I am on Twitter, but I haven't used it for a while. Yeah. For the longest time, there was like the hashtag Sunday church signs or hashtag cringe church signs. Oh. And, and so Sunday, Alicia, on Sundays, Alicia and I would look at them. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. Like, why do people think this is? I don't know, but it is. It's like one of those things where I'm just like, ah, not good. Not good at all. So do you think, let me ask you this and I mean, I'll answer it too, but do you think that we, we missed a mark? With with outreach and the idea of outreach, and we're too centered on the church itself instead of going out into the community. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like a lot of times there is a lot of um, there's a lot of people who, when they do outreach, the focus is particularly either a they want to try to get people in the church, so let's showcase the church by having this event. And then other times, I feel like there's a lot of churches who they do these outreach events, but really all it is is trying to bring people in the church so people can buy goods so that the church has money to pay their bills. Yeah, which is bad. Which is bad. Like like for an example, and and you know, there was a time where, you know. I've worked at churches and there'd always be different events. And, you know, you have like a vacation Bible school, which that particularly is an outreach thing. You're doing like a Sunday, you know, weekly or however long uh, Bible program for kids, whether they're church kids or non-church kids. And you're just having a fun event. Um, but there was a couple of times, especially where people would do like fall festivals. Yep. Which, you know, and it would be like, oh, hey, we're going to have this. We're going to have this. And there's one particular where they had um, fall goods that you can buy. You could buy food there. There was a uh, indoor yard sale compulsion. There was like a bake sale. And there was even like raffles. And the whole point was to go around and sell these goods so you can get money so it can help pay the bills for the church. And I remember sitting in that service and, you know, they told the final amount of how much money was raised and everyone clapped and everyone is happy. And it's like, oh, as opposed to there's another church that was doing a fall festival, too. They had bounce houses. They had inflatables. They had face painting. They had food. 
But then they also encourage people to either A, bring a Lowe's bucket full of nails and screws or like supplies or donate money so that they can go and build. And they partnered with Habitat for Humanity. This church did so that they could build a house in their community for a low income house for a family. And when you think about it, Fall Festival, both of them had Fall Festival in title. One was about making money to pay the bills. The other one was about getting supplies and funds to help build a house for someone in the community. Or, hey, someone's house burnt down and they lost everything. We're going to go raise some funds or we're going to donate clothes, donate all these things so that these kids and this family can kind of quickly get back on their feet after they've lost everything. And just that mindset of what outreach is can tell you kind of where the heart is at people. Let's keep our church doors open versus let's help people in need. And yeah, both think, are in the same. Both these churches are in the same community too. Yeah, I think you certainly have to think about, um, you know, the purpose of of outreach, and you know, is it you know, to raise money and awareness like for your church or is it to truly raise money and awareness for the community, right? And so um, if your church is, you know, in bad enough shape that you're having to raise money to keep the doors open, that's that you need to be doing some other stuff, <laughs> uh, not just outreach. You need to be doing some health assessments and figuring out what you can do to, 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 to keep the, keep the church alive and keep the church going instead of outreaching and raising money to, to keep your church open. Um, you know, preach about stewardship. Uh, <laughs> that's another story. Well, we did it. We did an episode on that a month, a couple months ago. Um, I, I totally agree with you, Scott. Like, I think that it's, you know, what is your intention, right. With, with, with outreach and, um, like I mentioned earlier, is it to give food to those who don't have it? Is it to to give backpacks? Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of years back, I was at a church and we did this um, day long outreach event. And uh, a big part of it was um, clothing. Like you were talking about clothing earlier, right? And so like people would just donate clothes. And I remember Alicia and I every year that I was at, we were at that church, would clean our closets out. And basically the clothes we didn't wear, we donated to the church for that that reason. Right. And so, um, I remember Scott, no joke one year, there was this, um, this woman, uh, Hispanic, I think she was a Hispanic woman. She was real little, real petite. Right. And so like she walked in and she probably had five or six kids. Yeah. Right. And she, she probably weighed a hundred pounds soaking wet. And I remember just holding the door for her. She walked out and she had two Scott, two garbage bags full of clothes because mm-hmm. her kids weren't going to get to go to school shopping for back to school. Yeah. Because they didn't have the money. Cause she was a single income parent because she had four or five or six children, however many that was. And those were going to be clothes. Those are going to be new clothes to her. Right. And new clothes to her kids. And I just thought of the joy on her face when she walked out and she realized, I think I, I remember her saying, I don't have to go school shopping now. Yeah. Close shopping school. That's the gospel. That's outreach, right? And if you're doing it to, like you said to make money for things, that's that's not okay. That's not right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that you know it's it's an interesting concept. Um, and there's a number of ways to do it, right? Like we were talking about with with VBSs and festivals and um, food and uh, dinners and, and and things like that. Like, yes, it takes money to do um that's the other thing scott like yes it takes money to do these things these events these outreach events however um i look at it this way and i think this is the way that people should look at it if you're donating money to the ministry and donating money to the church and donating money to outreach then you shouldn't expect uh, you shouldn't have your handout in return for that money back right and so it's it's literally to, to, you know, to raise money for something. And like, I I've been in in situations where people like expect their money to be handed back to them once the event's over. It's like, no, you gave that money for, for this, for this event, for, you know, for for this outreach, because people don't have, I think people forget that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think when it comes to successful outreach, and again, we didn't really talk about just kind of the metrics of what makes something successful. Um, you know, I think that has to go to, well, what's your, you know, are you reaching your target audience? Are you able to do what you're going to be able to do? Like we have an outreach here, which the church has always done, which they provide, you know, like good tasting food for school kids, uh, junior hires and senior hires. So it's not really an evangelistic thing, but it's got Stedman's ice cream. Oh, I haven't made ice cream for them yet. Maybe I have a bunch of pumpkin puree from last year that I froze and I need to use it up. So I may just start making some pumpkin spice ice cream. Um, But yeah. And like last week, because both the person who was in charge of the program was on vacation and then the lead pastor was on a spiritual retreat this week. So I was in charge of leading that. And usually we average about, you know, 40 senior hires, 40 junior hires. So 80 total. We had about 80 senior hires and almost ate through all the food. So I had to like go get like, so, which was a good problem to have. uh, But I had to like go get some people and say, hey, can you, you know, can you buy some more shells? Because we need some for the junior hires and stuff. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a good, it was a good time. So um, with all that being said, like, you know, it's hard to you, you basically you measure success based on is it benefiting is are you meeting your target audience and is it doing so for an example that the that woman bringing the clothes like for her that was a valuable ministry she was able to get clothes for her kids to go to school versus you know or getting kids a nice warm breakfast before school and you provide that opportunity for someone or feeding the homeless, you know, those are type of goals. So like if people are coming to your programs and that's successful, whether it's 20 people or it's 200 people, you are meeting a need. And again, word's going to spread about it. And I think that's kind of how it is. It goes back to, are you outreaching, meeting your target audience? And are you measuring in however you're measuring your metrics? Is it, you know, if it's an evangelistic thing, how many people are coming to Jesus? If it's more of about serving a need, how many people are are you benefiting with this program? And I think those are the key things, the simplest key things to kind of measure those metrics. And you always have to kind of keep your eye on the prize and not get too bogged down with random stuff that can kind of distort from the initial vision and, and uh, goals of the outreach program that you're trying to do. I also think too, like you shouldn't get so hung up on if like you know you're shooting for a thousand people and you only get six hundred. Yeah, because six hundred to six hundred, right? So like, I think a lot of times pastors and leaders will get hung up on the fact, well, we didn't we didn't meet the mark. I'm like, well, something is better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, I see that a lot of times too, especially with outreach. Um, you know, we were trying to get a thousand people, and yet we only got you know four hundred. Well, that's 400 people that got fed. That's 400 people that got closed. That's 400 people that the gospel was shared with. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's you know, uh, you know, we've talked a lot of times on your show about generational gaps and generational divides and things like that. And um, I think a lot of times what makes things uh, super successful is, is marketing and, and promoting and, uh, branding and, and and being able to to really advertise your event to get the word out there to let people know that it's going on whether the social media and ad in the local newspaper uh, a promotional video that you boost on your Facebook pages or on YouTube um, TikTok whatever it may be and then you know getting the word out there I think there's a lot of folks that just you know kind of snub their noses at it well that's on Facebook no it's not or, you know what I mean? Like some of the older generation wouldn't want to do that, maybe, for example. Um, but yeah, there's, I think there's just a ton of ways. Like I, you know, like I've shared numerous times, I work at Miami and I work at the college in the college creative arts and we do this thing every spring called Sparkfest. And so um, Sparkfest is a way for students to showcase the arts. And it's like a day long festival that we do. And last year was the second year we did it. The first year we did it. It was super successful. We learned a lot. And then in the second year, we, um, we, we made some changes. We pivoted on some of the ideas and pivoted on some of the advertising and marketing and things like that. But Scott, we had more people the second year than we did the first, because we were able to adapt and make those changes. 
like we uh you know we were able to i think we i think we saw four thousand people this year this spring mm-hmm. for that that festival and um part of my role in that was to order food and make sure that we had supplies and things like that. We, we ordered $200, no, two to $400 of pizza. And it was like a ton of pizza and it was gone in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we ordered an ice cream truck, like a food truck, an ice cream truck. And I spent $2,000 on ice cream because that's how many servings of ice cream we served. Um, so back to the whole marketing and branding conversation, like if you market it well and advertise it well, like, I'm a big proponent of like, oh, if if this doesn't work, let's do it all, right? Like if you got to call the radio station in your community, if people still listen to the radio, have an ad on the radio, have an ad in a newspaper, put it on Facebook, you know, like I said earlier. So um, I think it's all trial and error, right? Like until you find what works for you and also being able to adapt with the times as you move forward um, is important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, yeah, so that's going to be it for us today, friends. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to us. Hopefully this uh, tad bit, I know it's just Mike and I kind of talking and processing through, but like you says, outreach is kind of a loaded question, depending on your mindset and depending on what you want to try to do. You know, you may think you're doing outreach and maybe you are by having like your fall festival, but you know, again, it goes back to what's your target audience and what are you trying to accomplish? And if you're trying to accomplish to do good and to present the message of Jesus Christ to everybody, then that should be the outreach thing. And if you're trying to do, you know, maybe your thing is is to get rich quick, then, <laughs> then you know, I guess that's a goal. Um, but, you know, that's something that you have to really think about when it comes to outreach and what's the goal of outreach. So um, hopefully this was helpful for you. If you like this episode or you like this podcast, please give us a review on anywhere you listen to podcasts and we'll be back on next week with another episode. Hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. Mm-hmm.